0: hey how's it going I'm good how are you I'm good I'm good I am I I, took me like a hot second to find out where this um where my notes were because I I named them wrong so I was like did I not take notes for this week I did don't worry I just like wrote the name the I wrote May 4th instead of May 3rd Uh. and I like couldn't find a three and it like panicked me for a second But it's all good we're fine it's okay (laughs) That don't been even so worry stressful. about it yeah it would have been bad i would be like maddie give me like an hour i just need to really quickly research a story <laughs> but no we're all fine now and i had a little skim through the document before we started so we yes. should be good all okay. right yeah cool all right let's get started um i'm sonia i'm maddie and welcome to grim woohoo Okay, yeah. So, um, fun fact: for some <laughs> reason, when I was like noting down that I was going to talk about Scott Lee Kimball this week, I wrote his name down as Scott Lee Scott. And then, like, I went to go and research him, and I was like, "Wow, that's so weird! Like, Scott Lee Scott. Imagine just having the surname Scott <laughs> when your first name is also Scott. Like, imagine like a substitute teacher calling his name out, like, you know, like yeah. Scott Scott. <laughs> Amazing." But no, it was just a typing error that I made, oh, so... Very sad. <laughs> yeah. Also, Scott Lee Scott isn't a serial killer, so I went to go research this man, <laughs> and it was like, wait, why aren't there any articles? I thought this, like, is the prolific serial killer. Was it an actual person, though? Yeah, so Scott Scottly yeah. Scott, Lee Scott is, a, is a person, apparently. I mean, like, I feel like all names are out there. Like, I found, yeah, like, people who are like, this is my name. <laughs> but I was like, none of these are serial killer articles, <laughs> so what am I doing wrong? but anyway um Scottly kimball okay is a man <laughs> who is done enough bad things that we can talk about him on this podcast <laughs> good good what a way to start <laughs> oh yeah um so in case you, you haven't figured it out yet we are talking about Scottly kimball this week if that whole little <laughs> anecdote wasn't enough for you to know <laughs> head is empty um, yeah, so Scottly Kimball was born on September 21st, 1966, and he was born in Boulder County, Colorado. Okay. Um, and yeah, so he was a pretty bad person. Um, he ended up murdering four people between January of 2003 and August of 2004. Wow. Which is like a lot of people for a short no- like amount of time. Yeah. Like, that's not. All- Yeah, it's only, like, a little over a year. Yeah, which is terrifying to me. Yeah. Yeah, so he was actually convicted of, like, check fraud after he stole $50,000 from his optometrist who, like, shared an office with his mother. And his mother was, like, an insurance agent, so he, I guess, knew how the system worked and, like, stole $50,000. But he didn't know it well enough to get away with it, I guess. <laughs> Apparently not. Um, also, I just, like, don't know how checks work in general. <laughs> yeah, yeah I don't know neither. how to commit check fraud, but, like, he did it, so. Like, is it just, like, you, you, like, forge a check? Like, you just pretend someone gave you money in a check that they didn't? Is that what it is? I guess. Interesting. Because I do know that, like, in middle school and stuff, when we have the Scholastic Book Fair... I had, like, classmates who would bring in a blank check from, like, their mother or father and then, like, would fill in the amount that they needed on the check. Yeah, that's what I did and for that horse shows. Seems a little bit, like, <laughs> check fraud to me, but I guess not. My- yeah, that's when I go to horse shows in the summer. Like, I don't know how many classes I'm signing up for when I go, so I just get a blank <laughs> check from
1: my parents. It's so, like, like,
0: um, I understand that that's a thing, but it just seems so weird to me that people can do that. Yeah, it might not be completely... Legal. So, if anyone is listening, I did not actually do that. <laughs> On this podcast, we talk about serial killers, not about our friends committing check, check fraud. fraud. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. So anyway, he he somehow did did the fraudulent thing with checks. I don't know how. Um, okay. <laughs> but in light of this criminal act, he was sentenced to prison for fraud. Um, and while he was in prison, apparently he bragged to his fellow inmates that he was a hitman. Oh. And, yeah. <laughs> he adopted this, like, um, like, tough guy persona. Probably just, like, I don't know, you know how in, like, prisons there's always, like, a hierarchy or whatever? Yeah. So I'm guessing, like, he, check fraud is, like, pretty low on the list of <laughs> yeah probably things that you'd go to prison for. Yeah, so he, like you know, said that he was a hitman to, like, increase relevance or whatever in Wait, so the inmate hierarchy. What year was this that he went to before, okay, before. Okay. Before 2003. I'm not sure exactly what year, but, um... So he's just lying about this? Yes. Okay. So he was arrested for this whole, like, check fraud thing, and then he was, like, when he was in prison, he was like, oh, I was a hitman, I killed a bunch of people, like, don't mess with me, like, that kind of vibe. Alright. Nice try, yeah. then. <laughs> <laughs> And, um, for some reason, he also liked to call himself Hannibal. Okay. I don't, I don't know why. Cute little nickname. (laughs) (laughs) This is my buddy Hannibal. (laughs) Oh, yeah. In here for check fraud. (laughs) (laughs) But he's also a hitman, but that's unrelated. Don't worry about it. (laughs) He's a hitman. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, so he was, he was in prison for all this and he ended up being released in 2003. Okay. Um, but while he was in prison, he befriended this man called Steve Ennis, who was apparently plotting to kill his ex-girlfriend, 25-year-old oh. Jennifer Markham. Wow, sounds like a great guy. Yeah. <laughs> Rose. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they found out later that, like, Markham had befriended Kimball. You know, okay. Right? Like, uh, there was, like, a whole lot of, like, inter parts here i don't know it's like kind of messy i think Mm, but they all knew each other okay basically and his little plan to get out of prison involved talking to the authorities about this like murder for hire plot that involved ennis so i I guess he was like gonna rat this guy out or something okay (laughs) so he's he's gonna try and rat the guy out who is plotting to kill his ex-girlfriend yeah okay who he also befriended in prison Okay, so he just wants to get out earlier, so he's gonna kind
1: of like. I guess that's what
0: happened, because like I think there is a thing about that, right? Like if people. Yeah, like report stuff to the authorities. Yeah, I think so. Um, At the time, the FBI was investigating this ecstasy drug ring in the Denver area, and Kimball told the investigators that he could join up with the ringleaders and provide information to the FBI. So by December of 2002. Kimball had basically convinced the FBI that he would make a really good paid informant and the FBI agreed to this proposal. Um, Markham, it turned out, the ex-girlfriend, had been a potential witness in this drug enforcement administration, like met case against Ennis, and then Ennis wanted to kill another potential witness against him like okay. and like made plans to use Kimball to get the job done. So basically oh, there was just thinks- a whole lot of intertwining players here and, and characters, and then Kimball was like, using this all, like, this whole scheme thing to get free. Okay. And it worked, surprisingly. Wow. He was released, and he was also minimally supervised. Okay, interesting. I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense, though, because he was really only in for check fraud. Like, he wasn't in for murder at this point, so they didn't think he was, like, super dangerous. But But because he knew all these dangerous men, they were like, okay, like, help us. In this plot that... Ennis was making like he wanted to use Kimball to like as the hitman because he thought he was a hitman, right? Yeah. So, how did he explain this part to the police? I have absolutely <laughs> no idea, but like, I guess so. Kimball told Ennis that he could kill people, and Kimball uh-huh. told the FBI that he could like get inside this drug ring. All right, <laughs> and so I'm guessing he's just playing both sides of like this story here. Interesting, so that he can get what he wants. That's like what I'm getting from this. Like, there's yeah. just a lot happening at this point. I just wonder how he spun this story to work it in his favor. <laughs> it's quite I feel like that's like a, a thing with like, I don't want to say like psychopaths, but like you know how there's like that whole thing about like them yeah. being really charismatic and yeah. like, good liars and everything. Yeah, and just being, like, so confident that anyone will believe what they're saying, yeah. Yeah, basically. I feel like that's what's happening here. Yeah, probably. Like, he was just doing things, and people were like, oh, cool, yeah, okay. (laughs) Yeah, he's trustworthy. (laughs) Um, So a few months after he was released from prison, Markham disappeared. And her parents were very concerned about her. But also, like, the thing was, she was a stripper. And if we've talked about anything over (laughs) the course that we've, like... Talked about true crime, watched true crime. Like, that's a really high-risk lifestyle. Wait, so that's the ex-girlfriend? Yeah, the ex-girlfriend, okay. Markham. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so so she was a stripper, and she was also involved with a drug dealer, so the police really just mm. didn't take this seriously at all. Yeah. And they thought that she had run away or that she just didn't want to talk to her parents. Okay. So they just, like, left it. And this was in 2003. Wow. In 2004, they discovered that her car was, like, abandoned – they oh, found, no. like, an abandoned car, and then, like, from 2003. Like, it had been abandoned for a while. Oh, so and she they only was found it a family. year later? Yeah, because, wow. like, her, she disappeared a few months after Markham was released in 2003, and her parents took this to the police, and the police just didn't care until they found an abandoned car. Okay. So, like... <laughs> Yikes. Uh, well, one thing that always gets me is that, like, people just don't take... Like sex workers seriously in that yeah. situation. and It really yeah. bothers me. It is quite upsetting. Mm-hmm. So, um, Kimball's uncle, 60-year-old Terry Kimball, as well as 19-year-old Casey McLeod and 24-year-old Leanne Emery also went missing oh, around wow. this time. Yikes. <laughs> so, FBI Special Agent Jonathan D. Gusing and Lafayette Police Department Detective Gary Thatcher that is a mouthful, by the way, (laughs) we were among the primary investigators involved in this case. Um, And there were several federal, state, and local law enforcement agencies in Colorado and also in other states that were involved because, like, there are four missing people. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, that's Uh, a lot. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. And so this happened 2004-ish. On November 9th, 2006... Kimball had become a suspect in these four disappearances, murders, whatever you want to call it, and Gristing was assigned to the case by FBI's Denver office because of, like, the the fact that Kimball was in prison and was talking about being a hitman. Mm, that would And that would was do also it. in association with this other guy who wanted to kill Markham, you know? So, mm-hmm. like, he really had all these, like, murder-for-hire allegations in prison, and, like, they were also having the disappearance of Jennifer Markham and everything, so they did get the FBI involved. That's, this is interesting though so he killed four people between January 2003 and August 2004 you said mm-hmm. yeah but then he was I just assumed he was caught in August of 2004 but he like just stopped after August of 2004. yeah so what I think is that there were all like specific people that okay. needed, that he thought needed to be killed you know what I mean like because okay, like he also killed his uncle and then mm. like a 19 year old a 24 year old like both of those were women. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when when you usually see things about serial killers having like a type, it's always like a type. And I feel like this is like he, this is his uncle. Like, there was like a relationship there. And yeah. All of these people went missing. Okay. So, um, this detective, he learned that Kimball had told Carl Schaff of the FBI Denver office on June 29th, 2003. That Markham had been murdered by one of Ennis's associates because of the fear that she would testify against Ennis in this methamphetamine case. So, like, okay. he literally told them that she had been murdered, but he just said that it was one of Ennis's associates. Okay. And then Kimball also stated that he had been asked by one of Ennis's associates to dig up Markham's body, which he claimed was located somewhere near Rifle, Colorado. Okay, oh well, that's that's convenient that he knows where it is because of an associate, <laughs> isn't it? It's mm-hmm. just a little, yeah, you know, yeah, um, and that he'd been asked to dig up this body yeah, as well for what for what purpose is I like, don't know. That? Who would ask that? Oh, yeah, weird. It doesn't um, make sense to me. So, this was because she had like breast implants and an IUD that he thought were marked with like serial numbers that could be used to help. Identify her body. Yikes! So okay, that's disgusting. They were just gonna like d- d- cut her, <laughs> cut her up, basically. I, basically. Okay. <laughs> um. Technically, the story was never like proven to be true or false, but investigators thought that that Kimball thought said implants may link her murder to him and not Ennis's so-called associate. Okay. So I mean, basically, the moral of the story here is just don't murder people. I mean, yeah, oh. that would... That would make things a lot easier. <laughs> right? Yeah. So in Markham's case file, it was stated that her phone was last used on February 17, 2003 at 9.30 p.m., and that her 1996 Saturn sedan, which was supposedly given to her by Ennis, had been noticed by officers of the Denver Police Department in a parking lot at Denver International Airport during the early hours, the early morning hours of the following day. But the thing was, she wasn't scheduled to be on any outbound flight, you know? So, Mm -hmm. like, they were like, oh, cars at the airport, like, must be she ran away. But she wasn't on a flight. Okay. And Kimball claimed that she had traveled to New York City to, like, buy this handgun that was supposedly used to shoot the federal witness who was planning to testify against Ennis. Why did she have to go so far to get a handgun? (laughs) (laughs) you're asking the same questions i have okay interesting yeah and then they also noticed that um neither of their phones were in use from february 17th through, through february 20th 2003 even though kimball and marcus had called each other frequently before february 17th okay So there were just a lot of things like not ending up with his story here. He Mm -hmm. claimed later that he had taken a trip to the mountains during that time, which is why he didn't call. But he was very, like, evasive regarding what he was doing in the mountains because why would you just take a three-day trip to the mountains when someone that you know is, like, flying to New York to buy this handgun and wasn't on any sort of social media? (laughs) Yeah. Um, During this time, Jennifer Markham and Casey McLeod's families also started investigating their daughter's disappearances, which kind of makes sense because the police oftentimes don't do anything. hmm um, So basically they said that they saw a lack of interest by law enforcement in the missing persons cases and they were like, it was definitely because Jennifer was a stripper and had ties to a drug dealer and Casey apparently had a history of drug problems and had left home a number of times after she turned 18. So the police just didn't care as much. Yikes. Um, Jennifer's father began posting billboards with her photo on it and, like, asked for any information and even was, like, on, like, the TV, like, on news programs to further publicize, like, this disappearance and everything. Um, Mm -hmm. And Casey McLeod's best friend, Tabitha Morton, was also looking into her case when she finally made the connection between Scott Kimball and Casey. So Morton called Casey's father in 2005 and told him that Kimball, quote-unquote, went missing when Casey did, unquote, in the same way that he went missing when, like, Jennifer, Marcus, went missing, you know? Okay. Mm-hmm. So they were like, um, right? like <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's just, it's, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. It's definitely so, weird that it's a pattern. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the reason that they actually made the connection was because apparently... Scott Kimball married Lori McLeod, who was Casey's mother, in oh. Las Vegas, shortly after getting prison, and then they spent their honeymoon camping. Okay. Um, Casey's father then looked into Kimball and discovered a news article about Jennifer Markham's disappearance as well, and then the article stated that Jennifer had last been seen with Kimball, so McLeod began tracking down And they were from Illinois, and they finally ended up meeting and comparing information that they had about Kimball and his relationship with these two people. Which is, there is, like, history there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he knew both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Laurie McLeod told Bob Markham, who's Jennifer's father, everything that she knew about Kimball and what he said about Jennifer, because they they knew each other. So, obviously, like, if Lori's married to, to Kimball, like, they're going to talk about yeah. their lives or whatever. Just... <laughs> why murder people? Let's I don't understand. Yeah. It's yeah. completely unnecessary. I don't get it either. Yeah. So they were, you know, looking for their daughters, and they went to all of these different locations that they believed were connected with their disappearances, looking for like, any clues about what happened to them, like anything at all. And they didn't find anything. But during one of these discussions that they were having about their daughters and about their relationship to Kimball and about Kimball's life... They also realized that Terry Kimball, who had also gone missing, was connected to Scott Kimball. Is this the uncle? Yeah. Okay. God said that Terry had moved in with her and Scott, but then he mysteriously left on September 1st, 2004. Mysteriously (laughs) left, yes. Gone. Um, Kimball told her that Terry had won the lottery and had taken his girlfriend (laughs) to Mexico. Okay, we couldn't have come up with something more realistic than that? I genuinely, like... First of all, if someone wins the lottery, their name is gonna be in the news somewhere. Yeah. Like that's an easy check. And also like you would think he'd like celebrate or spread the good news or right? something. Yeah. Like and like if I won the lottery, the first thing I would do is be like, hey, I have all this money, like let's go out to dinner. Like let me grab yeah. my friends together and like we're gonna go and do something. <laughs> but he But just... no, he just yep. decided to up and like take his girlfriend to Mexico randomly. Interesting. <laughs> anyway, so They took this connection to the FBI, which also I think is interesting that a bunch of civilians made this connection and had to bring it to the FBI. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then they also pointed out to the FBI that, like, Bob Markham and Mary Willis, who was Jennifer's mother, had talked to Kimball in August of 2005, and (laughs) apparently they were like, Kimball said that he knew where her body was buried and could take them there. Okay... I don't know, I guess you have this whole story about, like, someone else murdering her or something. Yeah. Um, Markham Willis did not trust Kimball and declined his offer Good. and later stated, quote, I figured he was a killer and I wasn't going anywhere near him. I figured I'd end up dead after the things that he said, end quote. Smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, smart. very smart. Very if smart. someone, like, tells you that they know where a body is, yeah. don't go with them. Uh, number one not trustworthy person I would say because I think um, knowing where a dead body is and doing nothing about it is probably a bit problematic <laughs> like, why do you know where a dead body is first of all yeah. like, if someone like told me that they knew where that is like as much as I like, get angry at the police, like, I would yeah, take that information to straight that. to the authorities. I'd yeah. be like, guys, like, someone just told me what happened, and here's the name of that person who told me this, like, yeah. go figure it out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, like, like I mentioned earlier, Kimball revealed that Jennifer was buried up near Rifle, Colorado. Okay. On January 25th, 2007, Gruesing and the LPT detective Gary Thatcher interviewed Kimball's cellmate. According to him, Kimball had asked him if he thought that fake breasts could be traced. (laughs) Okay. Okay, buddy. And then he told him the name of the manufacturer and, like, the serial number were located inside the implants to allow tracing in the events of, like, liability lawsuits and whatever. So Kimball basically replied by saying, quote, I know a guy that will pay you to cut implants out of a dead body, end quote if that isn't sketchy, I don't know what is. Yeah, that is, yeah, mm -hmm. the sketchiest thing I've ever (laughs) seen. Right? So his soulmate was concerned by this and was like, oh, why would anyone be concerned about implants when a body would have, like, fingerprints and footprints and, like, teeth and, like, a skull and bones and, like, all things that could be traced. Yeah. And then Kimball responded, quote, you cut off the feet, head, and hands, there's no trace of it, end quote. If that isn't even more sketchy, I don't know what is. Yeah, really. (laughs) At one point during this conversation, though, apparently Kimball implicated another man in Jennifer's death and said that it had been the killer who had been willing to pay Kimball to remove the breast implants and IUD. Mm-hmm. So he's like, I, it kind of sounds like he's covering his tracks. Because why, like, the traceable parts of a body? Like, why would you say that ever? Yeah, yeah. Like, unless you're trying to cover up a murder. Yeah, I. Yeah, there's no good reason to be <laughs> thinking about cutting someone's identifiable features off. Right. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to switch gears a little bit here to talk about, like, some of the other parts of this case as well. Um, So, 24-year-old Leanne Emery disappeared in January 2003 after checking out of a hotel in Colorado. She was last seen by her parents, Howard and Darlene Emery, on January 16, 2003, and they left for Mexico to explore the case. Okay. Her parents said that she had struggled with bipolar disorder throughout much of her life, but that she was happy when she left, like she was working on it. Mm -hmm. Two weeks later, a sheriff's deputy from Utah called her parents to report that her car had been found abandoned along a dirt road near Brooks Cliffs. Her parents then filed a missing persons report in Colorado, where they lived at the time, but they were told that Leanne was likely a runaway and that there was nothing to indicate foul play, which really is... Like it bothers me because they literally couldn't investigate unless the body was found, even (sighs) though her purse and some of her other belongings were found inside the car. Apparently, her credit cards were missing, so that banks and like credit card companies could help like Howard and Darlene recreate a ten-day trail of gasoline charges that led to Colorado, Wyoming, Oregon, Washington, Nevada. She didn't go to Mexico. Yeah, and so okay. It's just, there's something that really just bothers me about the fact that they say, like, it bothers me with, like, cases like this, with, like, cases that are ongoing, like, when people are reporting that things might happen, when Mm -hmm. the police can't do anything unless something has happened. Yeah, that's, yeah. Like, you know that whole thing about the 24 hours or whatever, Mm -hmm. when, like, those are the most critical hours to find someone? Mm -hmm. If you report someone missing, they can't do anything unless there's already a body yeah that doesn't make sense to me like isn't that just the most infuriating thing ever like at least try yeah it just it just makes me so angry yeah because like even though like nothing bad has ever happened to me if something does and like if someone you know threatens you or something like that if they're like oh like I'm gonna hurt you if yeah. you bring that to the police they can't do anything yeah I don't know It just it really infuriates me yeah it's very scary 11 days after leaving home, Leanne called her parents for the final time, saying that she would be staying in Mexico a little bit longer. She was never in Mexico. Okay. Her credit yeah. cards and stuff were all, like, all over America. But sh- like, she did call her parents and say that? Like, it was her? Yeah, she said that okay. she called her parents, and then she said that she was going to be staying in Mexico. Okay. But based on the timeline created from her credit card charges, her and her father... Like, her father basically knew that that comment about her, like, staying in Mexico a little longer, that wasn't the truth. So we can assume that, like, she was forced to do that? Something okay. happened to make her lie to her parents. Okay. Because he eventually learned that the call had been placed in Colorado and that okay. she had mailed a gift certificate to her sister from the same location. So she wasn't in Mexico, but some for some reason yeah. she told her parents that she was in Mexico. Okay. A few days after her car was discovered, one of Leanne's credit cards had been used in California, so they thought that she could still be alive. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, the credit card receipts had signatures on them that weren't Leanne's. Damn. And even more unfortunately, it turned out that the credit card charges in California were made by another prostitute who told the investigators that she basically received the credit card in question from a man who was paying her for sexual services. Oh, okay. Wow. That Okay. She got a whole credit card in... And... <laughs> wow. Yeah. Which is, I mean, like... He was smart about covering his tracks, I guess. Yeah, but that's also but, like... Like... Wow, he just gave that away. <laughs> All right. Um, So her parents later found out that she was emailing with a relative in Idaho a few weeks before she disappeared. And she wrote this, quote, I have to hide. My orders come from Hannibal, and he's a dangerous person. End quote. Now, the way that she spelled Hannibal, I guess, was H-A-N-A-B-L-E. But if okay. we know anything from Kimball's time in prison, it was that he liked to be called Hannibal. Mm-hmm. And she also wrote in another email, quote, I'm in an underground world. End quote yikes yeah. in a third email she said quote if Hannibal knew I was talking to you he'd have me killed in a second plus he'd have he'd have you killed too end quote yeah very yikes <laughs> mhm so like any parent would be when they found these emails it was quite concerning and they took it to the FBI but they didn't want to open an investigation then the FBI why. didn't I'm not sure they just didn't end up opening oh, okay. an investigation Okay. I don't know why Yeah, very interesting Mm -hmm. On October 30th, 2007 One of the detectives contacted um, The Enries after they moved to Idaho And asked to speak to Leanne About a possible suspect In an ongoing homicide investigation Could you imagine Being a parent and having a detective Like, hey, can I talk to your daughter Who is missing? Yeah, I'd be furious absolutely absolutely furious. God. So Howard Emery explained that Leanne had been missing for nearly five years at that point. And he told him that he was investigating the disappearance himself because like no one else was investigating it. Mm -hmm. And had learned that Leanne had been introduced to a man who was calling himself Hannibal. Hannibal had befriended Leanne and given her advice in writing bad checks and misusing cards, and that the activity of, like, this credit card fraud and like check fraud or whatever had continued until the time that her car was found abandoned near Utah. Okay. Also, Leanne had a boyfriend who was an inmate on the same cell block as Kimball in the late two- uh, in late 2002. Okay. And Kimball had apparently made this plan to help her boyfriend escape from prison so that they, re- they could reunite in Mexico. Okay. <sighs> yeah. Her boyfriend referred to him as Hannibal in his letters with Leanne, so that she, like, wouldn't know his real name. But, like, right before he was meant to escape, he was in solitary confinement for poor behavior, so he, like, was unable to speak to Leanne. And this boyfriend learned about her disappearance later, and told Grising that he knew that Kimball had taken her and probably killed her. Yikes. By the time he talked to the police, Kimball had been arrested for a violation of the conditions of his release and was just, like, back in jail for a couple of different charges. So they took the advantage took advantage of the situation to, like, look through Kimball's computer and everything. And Gersing showed Leanne's boyfriend a photo of a young girl with long brown hair, which the photo was, like, dated January 18th, 2003. Then he found this picture on Kimball's computer. Her boyfriend ended up confirming that this picture was of Leanne, but that her hair was blonde the last time we saw her. Okay. Speaking of this computer, when they finally searched it, you know, in this whole hunt for Leanne, they found hundreds of photos depicting violent rape pornography. Oh, good. Okay. (laughs) So the images were, like, of women who were, like, tied up or were in the process of being tied up and, like, being i don't know just like it's really just gross some of them were downloaded from the internet some were not downloaded from the internet though and those were pictures of like there were some images of leanne oh no yeah yeah um the fbi was able to trace both kimball's and leanne's movements in denver from january 1st through january 16th of 2003 and then traced them again in Oregon and Washington from the 17th through the 19th of January 2003. Apparently, she bought the laptop for him at a Best Buy oh. in Colorado, and they were also together in Wyoming from January 24th to 25th. Okay. In early 2009, he was charged with four murders, and he pled guilty to two counts of second degree murder in the deaths of Terry Kimball, Jennifer Markham, Leon Emery, and Casey Cloud. Okay. As part of the plea bargain, he also agreed to assist authorities in, like, locating their remains, which is, okay. like, I just, I don't know, I feel like this shouldn't have happened. Like, they should have yeah. just, as soon as they found Markham, like, they should have just taken him. Yeah. But they found Leanne Emily's body on Wednesday, March eleventh, two 2009, in southeastern Utah. They found the remains of someone who they believed to be Terry King in a remote area of Vail Pass on Monday, June 29, 2009. And then a year earlier, on Tuesday, September 30, 2008, a hunter had discovered a skull and other bones in a remote area of northwest Colorado. The FBI confirmed that the skull and bones were those of Casey McCloud, Cloud. Yikes. And this was also... This is gross. It was near... Where Kimball John on his honeymoon with her mother after oh they got my married God. that's disgusting yeah. also I do not envy whoever's job it was to have to like find these bodies after Kimball right? told them where it was that must be awful right? oh, yeah like you know that episode of Criminal Minds where like Rossi would go to I can't remember which color it was but then he would like on like his birthday oh, or whatever and like yeah. give him one name and like yeah. the place that I was buried, like that. It's horrible. It's a big like. It just makes me so uncomfortable. Yeah. Because like obviously you want people to have closure and everything, but yeah, it's just yeah. the fact that like someone could withhold that information. Yeah. Makes me upset. Yeah. Um, Markham's remains have not been found, even though Lauren McLeod told mm-hmm. FBI agents. That Kimball told her that Markham's remains were near Rifle, Colorado. So she explained that she and Kimball had been passing through Rifle on their way to Denver from Las Vegas when Kimball told her that he worked for the FBI and was involved in a case that involved like a murder and like told her where the body was. And I guess, I don't know, they just haven't been able to find her. Oh, they did check though? I'm guessing. Like, I, I okay. feel like if you give someone a tip about where a body is, they can't. Yeah. Not. Yeah. But I guess they just didn't find her. Aww. Um, yeah. In 2008, he was sentenced to 50, 53 years in prison for theft and like some other charges. And then on October 8, 2009, they added another 70 years for the second-degree murders. Um, the Colorado Department of Corrections estimated that his parole eligibility date would be July 28, 2056, when he would be 89 years old. Wow. <laughs> um apparently though this man is just a lot he apparently bragged to the others that he committed dozens of murders but investigators were only able to make a case in four disappearances and what's terrifying to me is that like what if he did yeah i was gonna say i really hope he didn't and he's just like doing the same thing he Mm -hmm. did the first time in prison and lying but right that's still scary but it's absolutely terrible because like you never know I feel like some people could be such good liars like he's proven himself to be like a great liar and like you never know yeah I just I don't know he's not a good person oh for sure not (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's just I don't know there are a lot of things about this case that really bother me especially the fact that like like they never found her body
1: yeah body.
0: really sad that like they didn't get the family didn't get like closure or anything that way exactly. like they couldn't have like bury her and yeah very sad like i feel like obviously i can't put myself in their shoes at all but mm-hmm. if they haven't found a body yet like i feel like you would cling to a sort of hope that they're still alive yeah you know what i mean like yeah like, you can, like, there's a small chance, you know? Yeah, for sure. Maybe she actually just ran away or something and, like, this connection to Kimball was completely arbitrary. But I feel like that was what would happen if it was me in that situation and it just, yeah, I feel so bad for all of them. Yeah, me too. Like, it just shouldn't have happened. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I know that, like, in a lot of these cases, like, they weren't they were like all, a lot of them are like re- leading high-risk lifestyles and stuff like that. But the thing that just makes me so angry about this case is that the police don't take that seriously at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very Yeah. And as always, I'm leaving it up to you <laughs> oh, good. to uh, change the tone at the end of my story. Um, you're welcome, Maddie. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's see. Um, well, it's my last weekend, really, here uh, at school, so next week when we're recording, I'll probably be at home, which is fun. Exciting. The sad part is, though, that most of my friends moved out today, so I'll be kind of lonely all week, but it'll make me study, which is good. <laughs> make me study for my finals. I really love that it will make you study, because... <laughs> it just it wouldn't make me study yeah. i'd be like sitting in my bed like what do i do you know not it actually studying. it really might not because i still have to finish the third shadow and bone book which <laughs> I'm, i really need to finish because my friend two of my friends look just googled how it ended like who the main character ended up with and now i'm really upset that i don't know and they know and like they haven't one of them's read the first book the other one hasn't read any of them and so i just really need to know because they know and i really want to know you know <laughs> just google it Oh, Spoil it for yourself. I don't want to do that. I love these books too much. Fair enough. Fair and enough. then also, um, these are that I was doing a Marvel marathon with them. I think I mentioned earlier, um, and we <laughs> finished the movies, but we were like. Well, before we finished the movies, we had like a week where we didn't have a show to watch because we usually watch a show with dinner when we eat dinner together. Mm -hmm. Um, So we started Stranger Things just on a whim. And we were like, oh, we're like, just going to watch this until we finish Endgame. And then we can watch WandaVision. Yeah. So just like a little filler show. But then we all became like very obsessed with it. (laughs) (laughs) So instead of we started WandaVision. We did. But then we ended up almost finishing season two of Stranger Things. I love did that for you did not end up doing it but I might actually just binge Stranger Things and read this third book during the next week so amazing there's that you're thriving. <laughs> doing oh, well yeah, for sure who needs to study when you can just read instead yeah honestly that's that's probably what's gonna happen because <laughs> the fear has not kicked in of failing my finals so <laughs> <laughs> I really feel like you <laughs> what about you Gundy. Mm-hmm. life updates I am currently attempting not to panic over packing my flat up oh yeah because it's not fun <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's not going well I bought 10 boxes but I think they're gonna be too small for all of oh, this no. shit that I have rip yeah amazon said there were large boxes these are not large boxes these are like small oh mm-hmm. that's rude right yeah. i'm not okay quite quite rude you should complain <laughs> <laughs> jeff give me my money back oh did you get them from amazon yeah jeff jeff could handle it this was nothing yeah this is pennies compared to what he jeff makes has enough money <laughs> he really does Oh, well, that's very sad. Yeah, I had to, I helped um, my friends pack up and go today. So I know the stress of packing, and I'm not looking forward to packing up my room at all. God, it's not fun. Yeah. I just have so many things, because, like, you know, when you live in, like, a flat, like, you have to cook and stuff. Yeah. And yeah, the problem and the is, stuff. I have a list of things that I brought, but I don't think my flatmate has a list of things, and, like, oh. the lot came with things. So I really oh. don't know what's hers and what's... Oof. Oof. Yeah, it's okay. It's fine. (laughs) I'm thriving. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh yeah, obviously. (laughs) Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's just about it for me. I've just been stressed. But so are you? Are you done with your finals now? I am. Nice. Finally. Get it. You don't have to stress (laughs) me. Nice. (laughs) Nice. But, um, at least you don't have to stress about that anymore, you know? One less thing to stress. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I got it really lucky, though. I was talking to my friend the other day, and she has six. Oh, my God. Six of them. How? And she's only taking, like, five classes as well. Yeah. I, don't I was so gonna many. say, don't, don't you guys not take, like, as many classes? Interesting. Yeah, um, well, she, she's doing law, so there are more for her. Oh, but... okay, okay. I was like, she had one the other day and I like messaged her in the morning because when they're online they're 24 hours like they come out at 1 and then you the submission deadline is also like one the next day because of like international students and everything they want to give people like enough time but they also give everyone that 24 hours so I like messaged her at the beginning of the 24 hours and she was like going strong or whatever (laughs) and I messaged her at night and I was like did you turn in yet because like usually you know I mean I guess I'm just going off of my experience I've never taken longer no that's a lie I usually take around (laughs) around like three hours to like thoroughly check over my exam and everything obviously chemistry was way longer for me because it's chemistry yeah um (laughs) but <laughs> she was like yeah I took a four hour power nap and then I messaged her <laughs> the next morning she like got back to me at literally like two o'clock and was like oh, I submitted it
1: oh, I was like no. that is a like,
0: full 24 hours wow <laughs> disgusting yeah that's awful I couldn't imagine working I mean I guess because it's like loss, it's like an essay or whatever but yeah, still like 24 hours yeah that's a lot of work so much and I was like I'm really out here complaining over my one exam that I took <laughs> Don't worry, I'll be complaining about. I have three and an essay that's like that I a lot though. Yeah, you don't have the right to complain. I have an essay that I'm getting tomorrow too, and I'm really not looking forward to that. Wait, that like you're being assigned tomorrow? Yeah, it's like our final what does it essay. Do? Um, I think a week from tomorrow. That's disgusting. I know. What's I'm it really on? I'm really hoping. Um, it's my ethics class, so I'm not sure what it's on. Like he gives us um, we have to write two essays, and he gives us like three prompts for each so we can choose um Uh, but I'm really hoping he just like last minute cancels it and he's like yeah but I don't think that's likely but anyway (laughs) my girl can hope yeah (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, sounds like we're doing well yeah it really really does (laughs) hell yeah (laughs) do you have anything else to add? I do not so I can just go into my little spiel unless you have anything wonderful. I don't so okay. spiel away <laughs> so you can find us on instagram at grim podcast you can follow us dm us like our photos and from our profile there's a button to email us you can email us at the at gmail.com you can tell us thoughts about stories we have covered or you can let us know like what stories you want to hear us cover um anything else you want to share with us um so right now our inbox is mostly junk mail <laughs> love that spam oh yeah um, we also have a Facebook and Twitter which we're hopefully getting up soon um, because it is, summer is just around the corner um, our Facebook is Grim Podcast and our Twitter is Podcast Grim and other than that just uh, leave us a good review, tell your friends and family about us and yeah we'll see you guys next week for some, yeah. for some more not as, not as intense I lost my train of thought there's some paranormal stories yes alright well stay safe stay healthy Bye. bye bye